Chapter Four of Travel Stories Retold from St. Nicholas by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four Where the Sunsets of All the Yesterdays Are Found by Olin D. Wheeler. In Montana, Idaho, and northern Wyoming lies the region where center the headwaters of the Missouri, Yellowstone, Green, and Snake rivers, the last named a branch of the Columbia. In the early years of the last century, it was virtually the center of all human activity in the Rocky Mountain region, being a prolific but dangerous trapping ground for the fur trade of those days. Here, the cloud-piercing peaks of the American Rockies reach their greatest altitude, and the scenery is of the wildest and most impressive character. The Grand Teton, 13,747 feet elevation, overlooking the magnificent Jackson Lake Basin, has been climbed but twice by white men. Since the Yellowstone Park was established in 1872, the wonders of this region have been more or less familiar, but prior to 1870 they were believed to exist largely in the fertile imagination of the trapper. The park region, as we will call it, lay between the old-time northern and southern routes of frontier day travel across the continent. It is true there were Indian trails leading across and through it, but the Indians, superstitious by nature, seem to have avoided the localities of the geysers and hot springs, and their north and south-bound trails lay to the east or west of these areas that now fascinate and interest us. In 1807, along one of these outside trails, one that just skirted the eastern side of the geyser zone, which here lies along a well-defined north and south axis, came the first white man who visited the region. He saw the two beautiful lakes, Jackson and Yellowstone, the dazzling Grand Canyon and its two falls, probably some of the hot springs, and possibly some of the inferior geysers. His trail is shown, marked Coulter Route in 1807, on the map of the great explorers Lewis and Clark in 1814. But it was after their return to civilization that they learned of this hot springs brimstone locality. John Coulter was a prince of adventurers. His life as a border hero, explorer, and trapper rivals that of any character of fiction. His discovery of the Yellowstone, while on a mission to an Indian tribe, was purely accidental, but it brought him lasting fame. He himself probably never realized its importance. Two or three other old-time and adventurous mountaineers, particularly James or Jim Bridger, afterward visited this locality, but people in general utterly refused seriously to consider, let alone believe, what these men told them regarding it. Bridger was a man of remarkable ability as a guide and mountaineer, although unable to read or even to write his own name. He was the discoverer of Great Salt Lake, and as a guide and natural-born scout had no superior, if indeed an equal, among frontiersmen. In this capacity, he served numerous government and other expeditions, and explored and traversed a large part of what was then the Far West. He could tell many a good story about his hairbreadth escapes, and lived to a ripe old age. To attempt a word-picture of this region and its weird and unusual features is almost useless, and yet everyone who visits it endeavors to do so. 
no words can be found adequately to describe the hot springs that are numbered by the thousands and the marvelous hues of their waters and their basins rimmed and ornamented by fluted and beaded parapets of incredible delicacy and beauty nor can the geysers leaping suddenly from their deep nether-world reservoirs be pictured by words in such a way as to convey to the mind a real image of their strange and fascinating reality the first printed description of one of them was by another trapper warren a ferris of the old american fur company he visited a geyser area in eighteen thirty four but his account of it was not published until july eighteen forty two numerous waterfalls are found here from cascades a few feet in height to cataracts having twice the leap of niagara lakes lie deeply embosomed among the high peaks or the heavy forests and one of them twenty miles in length and a mile and a half above the ocean is now being navigated think of it by motorboats thousands of miles of crystal trout streams kept supplied with trout by the government hatcheries radiate in every direction a natural glass cliff an indian quarry for arrowheads in the ancient days towers above a lake formed at its base by the wise and cunning beavers there is too a low mountain of low sulphur with beautiful boiling sulphur pools splashing at its foot and in contrast to these there is a gruesome volcano of mud belching from a dark malodorous cavern while almost beside this is a beautiful clear pool of hot water formed by a stream flowing from beneath a green gothic arch the wonderful canyons exhibiting such different phases of nature's sublime handiwork awe the beholder one shows the marvelous way in which lava cooling arranges itself in massive black symmetrical slabs and columns these enclose a beautiful fall that adds a touch of lightness and beauty the grand canyon is the most startling and extraordinary example of color harmony and nature sculpture to be found in the universe a japanese in the poetic imagery of his race has said that these brilliant canyon walls have caught and emblazoned upon their mural precipices the sunsets of all the yesterdays a beautiful conception one stands awed to silence in the presence of nature's immensities seen here and is almost overwhelmed by the profound splendors and majestic glories of this canyon in another respect this parkland stands in a category by itself by federal enactment all of the yellowstone park proper and some additional territory bordering it has been made a vast national game preserve something not originally planned as settlement has increased and the valleys have become occupied by farmers and ranchmen the game has been forced into the higher valleys and parks of the mountains or into their remote recesses here within the park boundaries deer elk antelope bears mountain sheep moose bison and the smaller game birds between a hundred and fifty and two hundred species and fur-bearing animals have a refuge where no hunter or trapper penetrates and danger rarely intrudes in the jackson lake country hunting is allowed for a limited period there are thousands of these various animals that know they are absolutely immune from harm by man when within the bounds of this park most of them have never seen a dog nor heard the sound of a rifle under these conditions their natural timidity is greatly lessened and many of them even bears become surprisingly tame 
from the supply which yellowstone park affords state and city parks and various game preserves are being stocked experienced men round up the yearling elk into corrals near the railway sidings and there load them into freight cars with plenty of alfalfa hay and then they are forwarded to their destination many carloads are shipped each winter the writer recently visited the park in winter to see the game animals heavy snows covering their pastures drive them down from their high ranges to the lower hills canyons and draws about gardner and mammoth hot springs and here the government during times of storm and stress feeds them alfalfa hay and thus saves them from starvation elk by hundreds or even thousands dot the hillsides there are from thirty thousand to forty thousand of them by actual count while antelope in goodly numbers range on the open and lower hill slopes in gardner canyon beside the road the beautiful mule deer and the white-tailed deer touchingly innocent and trustful and the mountain sheep the bighorn fellows stand or lie eating alfalfa and enjoying the protecting care of a beneficent animal-loving government they become almost as domesticated as barnyard animals indeed at mammoth hot springs the deer actually haunt the kitchen doors and rear themselves on their hind legs against the porch railings or even climb the steps and peer into the doors and windows mutely begging for food which they often take from one's hand at night they lie on the snow under the large trees or in some cases even sleep in the large cavalry barns which have been vacant since the soldiers were removed from the park in the fall of nineteen sixteen over at the bison range and corral on lamar river in the northeastern corner of the park one sees an interesting sight here the mountain scenery of the park reaches its finest development in summer or winter the ride to the corral from mammoth hot springs is a treat in summer the bison herd of about three hundred there is a so-called wild herd of about a hundred some miles farther south ranges in a beautiful valley and on the adjoining hills and mountain slopes near the petrified forest and death gulch it is under the care of a keeper who lives there with his family in a comfortable home provided by the government the bison are rounded up at intervals during the summer so that their condition and whereabouts shall be always known the herd originally consisted of only twenty-one animals purchased by the government in nineteen o two at a cost of fifteen thousand dollars in january nineteen seventeen i made a trip by sleigh drawn by a pair of sturdy horses to the bison corral on the hills at intervals along the entire route large bands of elk were to be seen the snow was more than two feet deep and it required two days mostly at a walk to travel the thirty-five miles between gardner and the corral the thermometer registered from ten to fifteen degrees below zero and for the week following the mercury ranged in the morning from thirty-two to fifty degrees below in winter the bison are kept in a large pasture corral a square mile in extent lying along rose creek and lamar river and here they remain very contentedly long before daylight each morning the herd congregates about the corral gate waiting for feeding time soon after daylight a sleigh is driven into the enclosure loaded with alfalfa hay and drawn by a pair of horses that have become so accustomed to the buffalo as to pay no attention to them even though the latter crowd close about them 
The hay is pitchforked to the ground as the sleigh is slowly driven along, and the animals line themselves out, following it until all are supplied. In an hour or two, after they have eaten their fill, they mosey over to the steaming creek that has its sources in some hot springs in the hills, drink slowly and long, and then sedately walk back along deep trails in the snow, the mother bison followed by their calves to the feeding ground, where most of them then lie down and sleep for a good part of the day. Mock fights or hunting jousts are indulged in by some of the younger animals and afford variety and amusement, to the participants at least. In the dim light of a winter morning, the animals resemble a herd of young elephants. Reference has been made to the fact that this particular locality is especially interesting from a geographical standpoint. Including the Jackson Lake country, it is in this respect one of the most important and interesting regions on the continent. It lies on both sides of the Great Continental Divide, which twists and turns in all directions in its course northward and southward. Outside of the limits of Yellowstone Park itself, the mountain structure found here is perhaps not greatly different from that of other parts of the Rockies. The Teton Range lies south of the park and is one of the most prominent and commanding in the entire Rocky Mountain chain. The park region itself seems to be a vent for the pent-up heat of the earth. It is not improbable that these boiling springs and geysers may serve as escape valves and be the means of preventing very serious volcanic disturbances such as occurred here in past ages. As a watershed, the region is equally remarkable. It has been noted that here four of the largest rivers of our country have their sources interlacing with one another. It is indeed a network of thousands of mountain streams forming, ultimately, four great rivers, each flowing to a different point of the compass. The headwaters of the Snake River, joining with the Columbia, find their way into the North Pacific Ocean. The waters of the Green, after a journey through the great canyons of the Southwest, flow into the Pacific through the Gulf of California. To the east flows the Yellowstone, which merges its waters with those of the Missouri, and, after a journey of 3,000 miles, flows into the Atlantic through the Gulf of Mexico. This unique region is no longer difficult of access. Railways reach it from three sides, the north, west, and east, and the government has spent between $1 million and $2 million in establishing excellent roads to enable travelers to view the beauties of the Yellowstone. Here is to be found the finest automobile trip of its length in the country, supplemented by telephone lines and large and costly hotels. The construction of these buildings must be carried on in winter, and the nails used have to be heated in order to handle them. With the year 1917 will disappear the last remnant of the old stagecoaching days, a mode of travel which for years was the only method of land travel in the West, and which until now has been the method of transportation in the park. Beginning with this season, automobiles will displace the horses and coaches and numerous other changes in the way of increased comfort, convenience, and pleasure have been planned. The old six-day now becomes one of five days, with several advantageous changes in route and in the time to be spent at different points. 
the policy of our government in establishing these national parks has since been followed by other nations and it has been praised by such thoughtful observers as for example lord bryce ex-ambassador to this country from england that it has accomplished the object of its originators and is a blessing to mankind is now beyond question End of chapter 4